If you could stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. And the children are dismissed. And I remember when I was a Sunday school teacher, all the goodies that the kids have in Sunday school. Oh. <laughs> all right, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 10. It's amazing that people read these verses right here. We, we read 8 and 9 and we forget 10. Look what it says there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we, he's talking to Christians here, are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. I just pray, Father, as the preaching of your word goes out, if there's someone here that never truly received you as Lord and Savior, Lord, may today they put their faith and trust in you. They call upon you for salvation, for your people, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, that we will understand that every one of us here in this room this morning can be used of you, be used of you in a mighty way. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we have a theme for the year, more of Jesus, less of me. And today we come to this passage, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And the title of the message, Can God Use Me? All right, can God use, God use some, everybody else? What about me? Can God use you? I'll give you a little analogy of a story. There was a young lady, it's a true story. It was a young lady that she was in her, she was 17. She wrote her autobiography. I read that. And this is what happened to her. She was a very, she was in the youth group. She was very active in the church, uh, a godly young lady, did many things in the church, and she got into a major car accident. She got paralyzed from the neck down. She had a little motion in her hands, very little. And that little motion in her hands, I mean, it goes two ways. Some people will blame God for the rest of their lives and get bitter about it. You know, about what happened. Why others that don't love you, Lord, why don't you do that to them? Or allow that to happen to them. But it happened to a Christian young lady. You could say, well, here goes her life. Here goes her dreams. Here goes her future. She went up in a wheelchair. And what happened? Are you serving God? You know, every time the doors is open. And look what happened to you. She didn't think that way. You know what she did? In those days, you know, those days with, we use those phones that are in the museums today. You know, the ones... They hang in the wall and you dial them. You know, those the rotated things, you know, that we put one number and it goes back and you wait. So she used one of those phones. And, and the story is sad. She used every day, she called numbers in the, in the yellow pages. She used to go and call numbers, call people, and witness to them on the phone. Many people have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior through a phone call. Can God use you? Yes, He can. Here's the thing. Are you willing to be used of God? That's a different story. So, most of us come to church every week. <laughs> All right? All right. Some of, some of you were, born, were, were even, not even born while already coming to church. Okay. So, we hear Bible stories, right? We hear the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. We participate as much as we can in the functions of the church. Uh, but with all that, all this activity going on, there are 
good, a good amount of Christians who struggle with the idea that God can use them. They look at others and say, well, look at the way God is using them. But they think that God can never use them. And the thing is, is such thing even possible? No. God can, will use and can use all of His children. They see the way the Lord is using others, but deep inside, they feel like God has no, nothing or no use for them. So the Lord can use others and do great things through others, but not through them. And frankly, some of them feel like second-class Christians. Let me tell you this thing this morning. There's no such thing as second-class Christians. If you are a child of the king, you are a child of the king. If God is your father, God is your father. Here's the problem, all right? They are disobedient children and obedient children. That's the problem. You know, if, uh, if you have, let's say, if you have 10 kids, you have 10 kids here. Nobody has 10 kids anymore. Okay. <laughs> let's say if you have 10 kids, right, and nine obey and one disobey, I think that one's going to lose some privileges, right? He's going to cry sometimes. He's going to lose some goodies because he's actually, he's not obeying. Well, that's the problem of Christianity. There's no second-class Christians. There's no second-class citizens in heaven. There's obedience and disobedience. And you can be a disobedient Christian. Right? The Bible actually called carnal-minded carnal Christians. They're more like their minds are to the world than they are to God. So, but they're obedient and disobedient Christians. But we are the children of the living God. We are by God saved by the same ways, and we go to heaven the same place where God is. So let me clarify you this morning. There's no such thing as second-class Christians. So a Christian is a Christian. There's no different categories of Christians. We can say that they're, like I say, obedient and disobedient, which are. So can God use you right where you are and the way you are? You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've done so much bad. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Do you met a great Savior? Jesus is a great Savior, right? And He saves. What He saves? You from sin. And he, but I sin again. And what do you do? You confess it again. But Pastor, I did it five times the same thing. You confess it again. And you confess it again. And God keeps on forgiving you. No, if you ask me to forgive you, I'd say, Oh, buddy, you know what He did two times? I'm done with this. But not God. You follow that? Our Heavenly Father loves us in a way we don't understand. And He forgives and He forgives. But Pastor, how can God use me? I can do the same thing over and over. And you keep on asking Him to forgive you. Like this. Mommy, I ate the cookies out of the cookie jar. It's okay, sweetie. It's okay. I'll put more cookies there. But don't do it again. Okay, Mommy. It comes Johnny the next day with your face full of chocolate. Mommy, I couldn't resist it. I did it again. That's us towards God. Follow that? We come with the chocolate in our face and our hands full of chocolate. And we say, oh, Lord, I did it again. What do you think God says? I forgive you, child. But don't use that to think that God cannot use you. Can God use you right where you are? Yes, he can. You don't have to be a superman in order to be used of the Lord. You don't have to be a rich, a rich person in order to be used of the Lord. You don't have to have all kinds of different abilities in order to be used of the Lord. You, God can use you right where you are and with, with the little things that you might possess. Question. 
for you this morning is, do you have enough faith to believe that God can use you with the little things that you have? You may be thinking, I don't have much to offer God. My life is a mess. My mind is a mess. My walk with the Lord is a mess. I have nothing to offer God. Okay. You might not have that much to offer God this morning, but I believe you might have a little something that you might be able to give to the Lord. What do you have this morning you can give to the Lord? A little time? A little faith? A little trust? A little commitment? A little tithe? A little love? A little prayer? I believe you have maybe there's some of this stuff. We might not be able to give much, but whatever you give can make a difference for the Lord. You may be thinking, I am a widow. I don't have much to offer. I don't have much to offer. I'm too busy working. I don't have much to offer. I, I don't have much time. I don't have much, uh, much to offer. I, I, I work too much. I don't have much to offer. Well, this morning I want us to look, okay, at a few people in the Bible who are, who are, uh, I'm sorry, who are from, I mean, who had very little, I'm sorry, I don't know what I wrote in here, <laughs> but accomplished quite a big thing for the Lord. Are you ready to look at this this morning? So you say all these things, I don't have much. Can God use me? Go like this. Yes, he can. Amen. Are you willing? All right. Let's look at this for several points. Number one, a simple rod. A simple rod. Look at this. You go to Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 and 7. We see here a story of a, a simple rod in the hands of a simple, simple shepherd. Let's look at the story of this man, okay? If you look at, uh, take a good look at Moses, you say, wow, Moses was a big guy. He took the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, like a, a couple million people out of there. He went right to, this, to, to the desert. He went to the promised land. He did great things for God. Well, let's go back to where he started. All right? First of all, the children of Israel was told to, what they do? to, tell, to throw the boys where? In the Nile River. It was a miracle that he escaped. That's the first thing. But the second thing we see Moses, what did he do? He was, used of the, he was a man on the run in his adulthood. Why? He was a man, he was wanted in Egypt for killing any Egyptian soldier. Moses grew in a, into adult and he began to emphasize the, about with his people and, 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 and upon witnessing an Egyptian a Hebrew slave, Moses interfered and killed the guy. So he was a murderer. He said, can, can God use a murder? Yes, he can. So he is a murderer running for his life. Then what we see Moses doing, he goes and, he's a, he, goes and, and, and he, uh, he flees uh, to the land of Midian. Uh, we, again, he intervenes, uh, uh, and, 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 and this time rescuing the daughters of Jet, Jethro from, from some, some guys. And in gratitude, he married one of the daughters there. But, but again, we see what happens here. He's a man that was supposed to be dead in a, in a, in a, in a Nile River. Then he, in Egypt, he runs from his life because he kills a man. You see the progress of things. You say, oh, Pastor, can I emphasize that? Yes, you can because now we have to understand those stories that we see in the Bible of men that did great things for God. Great things for God. They, are, they were people that's like me and you. They had struggles and feelings and problems of life just like you and I have. Because we say, oh, goodness, nobody has problems like me. Only if you all live in the same house. Correct? 
So, letter A, God used, to dis- God used it to display his power in Egypt. Well, a little shepherd with a little rod, a wanted man, and God uses this little guy in a mighty way. Go to Exodus chapter 4, verse 3. You see what God does when we say, yes, Lord. Look what it says in verse 3. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And, and he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Well, people think that Moses, Moses was a superman. But no, Moses was just a guy that's like me and you. Right. And thou shalt take this rod in thy hands, and whereby thou shalt do signs. So what we see here, this guy, this simple man that could not do nothing for the Lord, this guy that's supposed to die in the Nile River, this guy that was a, a man running for his life out of Egypt, God is using him in a mighty way here and use a simple piece of dead wood. All right, you got a car? At least it runs. You got a phone? Yeah, it works. Can't reach the world with it. You got a computer? Oh, yeah. How many Bible verses you put on your Facebook? What about on your Twitter? What about on your TikTok? Whatever is those social medias out there. You say, well, I can't do nothing for the Lord. Really? Put the Word of God in there. Oh, nobody put likes. Who cares? It's not about likes. It's about putting up so people can see there is a God in heaven. You love them as He loves you. So, we see right here a simple rod used to what? To part the Red Sea, let it be. God used it to part the Red Sea. Listen, folks, it was not the rod that parted the Red Sea. It was God. But God uses a simple thing in the hands of a simple man. Okay? So we see here in Exodus chapter 14, verse 16, it says, But, but lift thou thy rods and stretch thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground to the midst of the sea. Well, this part, pretty deep sea. And God parted that sea. I saw a thing on Facebook the other day that said, there's always one. This guy, the Jewish people is walking through the midst of the Red Sea, the Dead Sea, and the guy is fishing. <laughs> I, said, I said, some people just come with these ideas. <laughs> so, but God, God uses it to part the Red Sea. Let us see. God used it to kill the thirst of his people. That's Exodus chapter 17, verse 5 and verse 6. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee again of the elders of Israel. And look what it says, And thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. And behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock of Haran, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. You see here, a simple man, that's supposed to die in the Nile River when he was a kid, ran for his life out of Egypt, go to the land of Midian, and there he married a woman there. You see, God used him in a mighty way. Didn't Moses say, I, I, I can't talk? What did he try to do? Try to walk away from God? Oh, yeah, he sent somebody else. Listen, when God impressed something in your heart, he doesn't have plan B. You the one. You follow that? When God says, you got to do this, oh, Lord, I can't do that. It's you he's calling. And he called Moses. So Moses right here goes and kills the thirst of his people. You know, people strive to be famous. People strive to be popular in our world. We have a man that's been famous and popular for centuries in the Bible. You see, let it be God use it to help his people. 
Verse 17, verse 9 says, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. Fight with the Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You see that? Folks, it was not Moses. It was not the rod. It was God. But God used a dead piece of wood in the hands of a simple man. Pastor, I don't know if God can use me. If God can use a murder as Moses, I believe God can use you. Okay? Number two, we see a simple rod. This is simple things in the Bible. Number two, we see a simple, small stone. Go to second, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. A simple, small stone. Another person right here in the Bible, simple person, and God's going to use him in a mighty way. Look what it says. And he took this staff in his hand and chose him five smooth, smooth stones out of the broke and put them in a, in a shepherd's bag, uh, which he had, even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. We were talking about here, folks, we're talking about David. Folks, when we believe in something and we find ourselves defending what we believe, strength and determination becomes very strong. I remember... Listen, I don't know about in America, there's not much of anything, but in my culture, you do not say anything bad about your mother. You follow that? You don't swear to the person, to a kid about their mother. You don't call that person anything about them. It's, it's a sacred thing. Don't you dare go there. I remember when I was a kid. Hey, I was a kid, okay? I was a kid. And this sad guy said something very nasty about my mother. And this guy, he was a big kid. And you say, oh, I don't know where they're going to take that kid. Well, you know what? When you believe in something and your heart is really hurt, I don't know where the strength comes from, <laughs> but it comes from. Well, that's what happened to David here. Who is David? A little shepherd boy. They try to put an arm on him. Nothing fits. And he goes up to a battlefield with a little stone in his hands and a sling. Facing a man of war, a guy that is trained to kill, a giant man. Not, not a little guy. A giant. So, I mean, he was so big that the whole uh, military of the, the, in the side of the, the Jewish people, everybody was afraid of him, including, including King Saul. And this kid steps to the battlefront. You know why? Because he could not take him profane in the name of his God. He said, you're not going to call my God those names. David got strong. You see, a simple, small stone. David believed. David went to the battlefield with determination. He had his God, who he believed, and a man who must go down for, for profaning and mocking the name of his God. So keep in mind here that David was a young shepherd boy, not a man of war, like the man that uh, he was about to face. Do you ever see shepherds? Shepherds are usually kind people. Because sheep are very dumb. All right? You, you got to go take a trip somewhere and see sheep. They <laughs> go all over the place. You know? You're talking about a man of war. Totally different here. So David didn't go to battle with, with uncertainty. David didn't go to battle with fear. David didn't go to battle defeated. David didn't go to battle hoping for the best. David didn't go to battle thinking that he might die in the process. David was determined, and his eyes were on victory. 
Listen, you're a child of the king. We sing this morning. Amen. Serve the king with determination, not with defeat. I hope nobody answers the door. I hope nobody opens that door. I'm ready to run. Really? Where's the termination? We are the soldiers of the cross, right? I hope this person will come this way because God is telling me to give him some information. Uh, I don't want to. Don't be a secret Christian. Christianity is to be lived, to be spoken. Oh, but nobody wants to hear. Hey, we hear every other voice in the world. Might as well just put our voice out too. All right? So David was determined. He went there for victory. Now, David received Saul's blessing, of course. But then what happened in that, in, that, in that battlefield? He beat a giant. He beat a man of war. Who is David? A nobody. A little guy. Can God use you? Yes, you can. If you use Moses, a murderer, if you use David as a little shepherd boy, I think he can use you. You follow that? So Goliath was defeated because, letter A, because of David's confidence. Listen, the Christian life is not to be, li to be lived in defeat. I don't want nobody to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want to, know, I, I don't want to talk about Jesus anywhere. I'm going to lose my friend. Listen, the Christian life is a life to be lived in victory. Listen, I'm a child of the king. Listen to this. Of king and the lord of lords. In the end of all things, it will be God and his people, nobody else. Why we live, listen, why are we so afraid of what people are going to say to us? What's wrong with this society? I don't want to offend this. Listen, I'm a Christian. That's who I am. You either like me or don't like me. Is that the way it is, right? You either like me or don't like me. I'm a Christian. That's who I am. Yeah, I spoke about, I speak about Jesus. Yes, I do. Oh, well, I don't like it. Well, so too bad. I got to listen to you too. <laughs> so Goliath was defeated because of his confidence. He had confidence enough to step to the battlefield and beat this guy. David knows what is about to happen. He was a faithful man. He believed in his God and he believed he could take care of this guy. What was this victory? What was the, why was this victory possible? It wasn't David's ability with the sling, even though he had experience with it. It wasn't David's power to kill such a big man. The secret of David's success and, Goliath, and Goliath's death was that it all come down to one thing, faith. Faith made him strong. Faith gave him the courage. Faith moved his legs to the battlefield. And faith faced this guy. Let me put it this way. If you have a little slingshot with a rock, and you have a 10 feet guy, 10 feet tall guy, big man with a huge sword after you, what'd you do? Yeah, probably. Probably. You're like the cartoons on TV. You know, they got so afraid that they even run on top of the water in the cartoons I'm talking about. <laughs> See, you will never defeat your bullies in your own power. You need not even try, but you can and will defeat them through his power. You are, you are uh, put, to your, put your bullies in the hands of God and trust Him to give you the victory over them. God can use you. Believe me, God can use you. Number three, 
All right? See, I'm not convinced, Pastor, that God can use me. All right? So we look at Moses. We look at David. Who's the next one? All right. We get there. <laughs> a simple pot of oil. A simple pot of oil. Go to Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Folks, the Bible gives us these simple stories about people who didn't have much to offer. God put simple things in their hands and used them in such a tremendous way. God reached the hearts of so many people by putting a simple thing in the hands of one who is faithful. Let me tell you, do you ever feel trapped in your life? Do you ever feel like you were at the end of your rope? What do you do when you reach that point? The, realistic, the reality should be just tie a knot and hang on. No, no. The pessimist would say you might as well let go. It's only going to get worse. But the realist said try a knot and, uh, and hang on because things are going to happen. The optimistic may say just tie a knot and try and keep on climbing. Each of, each of those ha- has its merit, but in reality, what can you do? What can you do? A simple pot of oil. What we see here. This passage teaches us the glory, the glory is that truth that God has a plan for your problems and for you, and God can use you. You say, well, God cannot use me. You don't know about my life. No, but God knows. God knows. Letter A, God knows your, our problems. Look at the first, second Kings verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Now they cry a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Elijah saying, thy servant, my, uh, thy servant, my husband, is dead, and I knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the credit is come to take unto him my two sons to the bound to be bound men. So we see this. God knows our problems. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. And you say, and we, when we are submerged to our problems, we say, God can never use me. All we say. When my problems go away, then God can use me. No, no, no. Let God use you now, and you will overcome your problems. Number one, there was a despair in the family. The word cry means to moan, to weep uncontrollably, to, 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 to grieve. These words identify the sound of a broken heart right here. This woman comes to a man of God on the lowest moment of her life. She's completely desperate. Have you ever been there? Number two, there was that in her family. She was married and, 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 and to one of the sons of the prophets, and her husband dies. There were the men who were in training on Elijah to be the prophets and preachers of Israel, her husband. Her lover, her friend, her provider, her protector has been taken away of, uh, die, uh, by death. She's broken because, because a loved one was taken away. Number three. She was in debt with her family. There was debt in her family. Since her husband is dead, she cannot pay her bills. As a result, the creditors are coming to take her sons. You see her position here? Listen, folks, number four, there was a devotion in her family. In spite of all her problems, she still, uh, still firm, uh, held a firm grip in her faith. She believed in her God. She needs help, but she, needs, she, she does not turn to her a family and friends, she turns to whom? God. She does not try to find someone to loan her money. In her des- desperation, she turns to the man of God for help. Elijah was God's representative on God on earth at that time, and she was and was her hope, and she went to her to him for hope. She reminds Elijah that her husband 
did, did fear the Lord. So we see here. We see here a person in total desperation, in, like, in, in, in no position to do anything, still believe in God, and still believe that God could do something through her. I don't know what your situation in life right now, but you might be squeezed to, a, to such a point and say, God cannot use me. I'm so insignificant. Let me tell you, God can use you. And you are important in the eyes of God. Listen, people might say, you're nobody. God says, you somebody. Follow that? And the world does that to us. You are nobody. I don't want you around here. And God says, come to me because you are somebody. Folks, let me put it this way. Our world would be a better world if we see people the way God sees people. You follow that? If we see people for the way God sees people, there will be more love, more kindness in our world, and less hate. So let it be, we see God knows our potential. It would have been easy for Elijah to, to have said, okay, sister, you have suffered enough. The Lord is going to meet your needs someday. Just go home and wait for him to work. Instead of taking that course, the Lord chose to involve this widow in her own miracle. First, God erased her faith by forcing her to admit that she didn't have. Then God expanded her faith by teaching her uh, uh, trust, humility, and obedience right here. He does the very same thing in our lives as well. So number one, uh, how God erases our faith. Look at the in verse 2. And Elijah said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in, in, the, in, the, in the house? And she said, thy handmaid had not, not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad, and all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out all uh, of those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So the Lord erased the widow's faith to two questions here. What you, what you need, what do you have? You know, can God use me? God comes to you and says to you, what do you need? What do you have? They say, oh, God, I don't have anything. Really? This lady was truthful. She said what she had. You know, how much do we have? Can God use me? Can God use my car to go pick up somebody that needs to come to church? God is using you. You see that? Can God use my phone to reach somebody that don't know Jesus Christ? Yes. I can go on and on with examples here. We have so much that God can use you using our hands, but we're not using it. See, by those two, those two questions, this woman was made to, decide, to see the size of her need and the smallest of her own resources. She didn't have much. God often will use the trials and headaches and the burdens of life to bring us to the place where we can honestly see our need and our inability to meet Him. So think about it. As long as we think we can handle things, we should, be, we should look to the Lord. So number two right here, how God expands our faith. Look at verse 5. So she went from Him and shut the door upon, upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. You see right here, so after God erased her faith, her faith in herself, in her, in her own abilities, he began to process of expanding her faith in the, power, in the power of the Lord to meet her needs. Again, 
It does the same thing in your life and my life. And let us see, God gives our provision. Look at verse 6. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her, unto her son, Bring me ye a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not, not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Verse 7. And then she, she came to and told the man of God and said, Go sell the oil and, and pay the, thy debt and live thou and thy children of, uh, of the rest. You see what God did here? I don't have much. And God, what he did? He increased. But God asked, what do you have? Sometimes we say to the Lord, uh, can, we say, can God use me? And God says, what do you have? And we have to search our minds to see what we have. Okay, folks, what do you have? You got a job. You got clothes. You got home. You got food. You got blessings. Tell people about God's blessings. You see that? I think we forgot to see the blessings of God. I think we did. We are blessed beyond limit. I have a car, but my car's not that good because so and so have a better car than me. So what? Be blessed with the one you have. See, God gives our provision. All right, so, okay, so you say, I'm not convinced, Pastor. I don't think God can use me yet. All right, number four, a simple little boy's lunch. Go to John chapter 6, verse 5. You see, Moses, a murder out of Egypt. God used him in a tremendous way, right? We see David, a simple shepherd boy, became the king of Israel. All right? Then you see a widow right here who uh, the, her husband died. She has not much to go on. Her kids have to go to work because to pay their debt. They have nothing. And God continued to use these people. And now we see a little boy with a little lunch. All right? Look at verse, John chapter 6, verse 5. And Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He said unto Philip, Hence shall we buy bread that these people, these may eat. And he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would. And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that, that very one of them may take a little. And one of the, the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there are much grass in the place. So the man sat down in the number about 5,000 men. Folks, it's 5,000 men. What about the women and children? Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Folks, there's a little boy. They have a little lunch. And God used a little lunch to feed a multitude of people. Now, you see that? Okay. A criminal, a simple shepherd boy, a widow, and a little boy, and God used them all. Can God use you? Yes, he can. Here's the question. Will you be willing to be used of God? You see that? A simple boy's lunch. 
Listen, the disciples squashed with themselves. They knew it was impossible to feed a multitude of people with that little lunch. But with God, all things are possible. Letter A, bring what you have to Jesus. Verse 18 says, bring them either to me. So what do you do when God asks you to do something that's clearly beyond your means? What do you do when God asks you to give something to him? Do you give it? Don't be like the kid in the playground. Hey, can I have a bite of your sandwich? Okay. Don't, don't take a big bite. All right, that's too much. Just, just a little bit. You ate half of my sandwich. I mean, it was not, I'm the only guy that played in the playground. Come on. Yeah. Girls don't do that. But boys do that, you know. I remember my mom used to make these big sandwiches, you know, like footlongs, and we go in the playground, and the kids, everybody got. When you, what happened when you, you come with the sandwich, everybody was hungry. Everybody wants a bite of your sandwich. And you go, oh, and you put your finger this. Don't do that. When God asks you, give it out. Give it out. I don't know why you work, but sometimes, you know, most of the guys in my job, they don't bring lunch to work. But they like to pick on yours. And I have a guy who's faithful. He goes, what you have for lunch? I mean, he doesn't ask. He's asking, looking. <laughs> I was like, do you want something? Oh, you're not going to eat. Well, you can have it if you want. Well, like, be honest. Like, just don't, don't, say, don't, don't say you can have it. Say, I hope you don't touch it. This little boy gave us lunch, and God used it. I bet the little boy sat down, and he was grateful because he had what he, more than what he, he expected to. Sometimes, you know what? Uh, we don't want to give because, ooh. And when we give, we see many blessings come around. Listen, it's better to give than to receive. So be a joyful giver. Because we think, you know, don't live in, we live in a society, yeah, you deserve, it's for you, everything is me, 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 me. No. What about others? Is the person in need help? You say, well, but I'm in need too. Help! God will bless you for it. This little boy gave what he had, and God used it for his glory. Because of that little boy, thousands of people got fed, including him. So he didn't miss a meal. You see, number one, commit it to God. Let God be God in your life, and he can use you for his glory. He can use you. Now, let's, let's have a review here as we, as we close this, this message. So we have a murder. Goodness. You say, well, okay, can God use people who commit crimes? People who did bad things in their lives, people who are not proud of themselves, can God use such people? Yes, He can. I could give you more and more examples in the Bible of that. God can use anybody. If you're willing to be used of the Lord, He can use you. Can God use a simple little shepherd boy to defeat a warrior, a man of war, because he was profane in the name of his God? Then he goes and uses a little, a widow. You say, a widow, well, okay. Oh, listen, listen. In those days, there was no government uh, checks coming to the house. You were a widow. You were in big trouble. All right? You were in big trouble. Many people in those days, widows, they died out of starvation. When the husband's gone, the family's, the boys are gone, you have nothing. 
This woman, this woman knew where she was. But God provided. Then you have a little boy. A young little boy, probably going to do some chores for the house, whatever it was. He gave us lunch. And God bless him. God used that little boy. Listen, honestly, if you are work, somebody asks you for your lunch, just give them. Oh, I'm going to go hungry. Yeah, yeah, you got to just go get money somewhere else. Just, you know, just be a blessing to somebody. I don't think you're going to die of starvation for missing a meal. All right? I won't miss, <laughs> I won't die of starvation, okay? <laughs> All right, let's conclude with this. So in closing, what is God asking you to do today? Are you still convinced that God cannot use you? Listen, God can use you in your home. God can use you in your neighborhood. God can use you in your workplace. God can use you in your church. God can use you. If he could use these people in a mighty way that their names in the Bible, I believe he can use you. He's been using people through the centuries to this day. And even today, he's still using people. Are you willing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord Father, for these men, for these people, names that were written in the Bible for our example. Lord, they were simple people. They were people who had needs, struggles of life just like we have. And Lord, I believe every person here has struggles and problems and situations of life. And sometimes we think that, Lord, you're done with us. But Father, I know, Lord, from your word that you're not done with us. We are your children. And you can use any one of us in a mighty way. And I pray this morning for your children today. May we leave this place encouraged that we can be used of you. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here today that never received you, the Lord Jesus Christ is personal Savior. May today they take you serious. May today they give a life to you.